Uh, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Global Edge Talk. Today we have John Ferrara and John is a founder and CEO of a very interesting, very well-known CRM company called Nimble. He was a former CEO and founder of also a very interesting and very well-known company called Goldmine. He is a leading managing investor uh, at Casentino Partners, we'll talk about the investments and entrepreneurship. He is teaching at the University of Southern California and presiding over an entrepreneurship program there. And uh, we'll talk more about his other accomplishments and his early days as well. John, welcome to our studio. Alex, it's my pleasure to join you and your audience today. I think we all grow by um, by learning. And when you teach, I think you learn even more. And so uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation and hopefully uh, uh, imparting a little bit of knowledge. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for being with us. Now, we have a, a very interesting, very global audience. And we want to talk about, uh, first of all, I want to talk about you and your early days. And what was the impetus for starting Goldmine? I used Goldmine uh, in my early days as a, as a sales professional, as a marketing professional. Very, very good tool, contact manager. But it's not just about the functions and features of the of the product. What was the impetus? What, why were you interested in starting something like this? Well, I was put into sales at a startup called Banyan. And they put me in the district office in Dallas and said, go get them. And they didn't give me any tools. They didn't give me any training. They, they gave me what they called were leads, but they're essentially a piece of paper from computer intelligence reports, which was the phone numbers of IT people at large corporations. So I would, uh, I'd pick up the phone and I'd cold call those people and I'd make notes on the piece of paper, the lead I had, and I'd put my appointments in my day timer and I'd do my forecast once a month in a spreadsheet and I'd communicate with my SEs and my sales manager and the corporate product people back in Boston with email and telephone. And I said to myself, this is really not a good way to work as a team. Not only was I struggling to manage my relationships and my marketing to my leads, but to communicate and collaborate with my team as we collectively engage pre and post sales with those leads. And so because I had a computer science background, I got a degree in computer science in college, because I worked my way through a computer land store, I knew every single business software on the market at the time. And there was no tool that integrated email, contact and calendar and sales and market automation for individual or team. And there was email and there was calendar, but it didn't tie back to contacts and it didn't do any sales and market automation. So I quit my job at Bannon, got together with a college friend of mine, and we built Goldmine. Excellent. I, I used it. I think it was a great, great tool uh, for sales individuals uh, as a contact manager and also as, a, I guess, would evolve into a, a full-blown CRM system. But let's talk about other things uh, in your early days. You, well, while, uh, while we're here, yeah, sure. I a story that will be relevant to you and your audience in regards to how I took this idea, right? I'm sitting in my apartment in Dallas, Texas. I have an idea for a product, but I'm working for somebody. And, uh, and I'm getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this job, but I have this yearning to go do this other thing. And so how do I take that yearning and build a product and then bring that product to market without any 
without any money. So what I did was, is I found somebody who can translate my ideas into a product. That's my co-founder of, of, of Goldmine, Elon Susser. And then what I did is in order to bring it to market, I identified the trusted advisor of my prospects. So I was selling to small businesses that needed a network business application. You have to understand there were no network business applications back in the day. File record locking just happened, which means network business software could be written, but there weren't a whole lot of network business software out there. So not only we have the first network business software, but we had the first contact manager and CRM before Outlook even existed or Salesforce existed. So how do you sell something people don't even know that they need? So what I did is I cold called Novell resellers because when I was at Banyan, I got my butt kicked by the Novell resellers. We were selling direct at the enterprise level and they were selling indirect through resellers to the work group level who had trusted relationships with those local businesses. And so what I did is I cold called those resellers, the Novell resellers, and I got them to use it. And people sell what they know and they know what they use. They started to recommend it and resell it. And that's how we got to our first hundred or $200,000 a month is by leveraging the influencer and trusted advisor of our prospects, the Novell resellers. Great story. And we'll talk more about some of the other great sales stories, especially when it, you know, as they pertain to entrepreneurs all over the world. Now, you and I earlier talked about... Um, sales in general and uh, global sales, global sales forces, right? And, uh, you know, enter 2020, 2021, we have a very virtual, very global world right now, uh, especially after the pandemic or during the pandemic, we still have it. Um, let's talk about the relationship building. You know, a lot of these platforms, CRM platforms, earlier contact managers were built to nurture relationships with certain levels of automation, with certain level of information, then data science and so forth. How do you build relationships today when you have no conferences, you have no face-to-face, -face, something we've been taught by IBM sales schools and Oracle sales schools and so forth. So how do you build, what is your advice to entrepreneurs today who are stuck in their apartments and their houses, uh, you know, under the pandemic rules, and so forth. And all they have is this, they have Zoom, they have CRMs, they have all these different systems. How do you gauge the body language? How do you get this eye contact? How do you build that relationship? What is your advice? Well, I think it's a great question. And, it's, and, and, and the thing that we got to think about is before you get to the eye contact, right? You got in the body language, you got to get to the connection because there are literally billions of conversations going right by your window every day. And it's kind of like that business with the little bell on the door where you kind of open the door and the bell rings and the person behind the counter notices that there's somebody there. We all want that door to open, that bell to ring. How do you get people to see you in this world? Because ultimately your brand and your network are your net worth. Your personal brand and your professional network will help you achieve your dreams in life. So how do you build your brand and build your network and then nurture and grow that network? It's really simple. Everybody listening to this today is passionate about something or some things. And you, on a daily basis, get in front of your computer and you read about it. You consume more knowledge about it. And all you got to do is start giving that knowledge away on a daily basis. So what you do is you go and figure out where 
does your constituency have conversations? Where do they gather and converse? For me, it's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, those types of places. I set up identities in all those different places. And then what I do on a daily basis is I share knowledge in and around my areas of passion, but also in and around the areas of the promise of my products and services. So for me, that's social sales and marketing. And this is how I not only built my brand after being out of the computer business for 10 years, but how I built the Nimble brand without spending a dime on marketing. And so what I did was identified the top thought leaders and influencers in social sales and marketing. I would swim in the river and curate content that resonated with me. And then what I would do is I would share that content, hashtag it appropriately, attribute in their name, and then I would listen and engage for the people that would then connect and respond to this content and begin to reel in those connections and relationships, not to tell them how great I am or how great my products are, because guess what? Nobody cares about you or your products. They care about themselves. People don't buy great products. They buy better versions of themselves. And the biggest mistake you can make is when you do get a connection, you get somebody on Zoom, that you basically start talking about yourself or your products. Stop talking about yourself. Start talking about how you might help others become better, smarter, faster. And the easiest way to do that, in the old days, we used to teach people, when you go in somebody's office, look at their walls. Look at the books they read, the degree of the school they went to, the knickknacks they collect. All these will give you a clue into who that person is, what their business is about, and ideally, most importantly, how you might add value. Because that should be your purpose on this planet, is to help other people grow. Because if you do that at scale, you can't help but grow which means you need to research somebody before your meeting. You need to walk in the digital footprint and you need to identify something along what I call the five E's, the five F's of life. People don't connect on the fact that you share entrepreneurship or marketing as your business background. They connect on the five E's, uh, F's of life, the softer side, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. So those softer things help you to build intimacy and trust which gets people to open up to you about their business issues, which as a professional, you can then solve. If you simply do what I just shared, you will have a global brand, a global network, and an army of people who want to help you achieve your passion, plan, and purpose in life. Excellent. Those are great, great tips. And uh, socially, I guess that we can do so much of listening right now. There's so many great tools your platform allows you to listen and to search and, you know, and so forth. And uh, I think it's a great, uh, great tip for many folks out there who may be waking up in China or Europe or Asia, you know, India, Middle East, uh, South America, whatever, and thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do where I cannot go to conference, where I cannot jump on the plane and go someplace and meet some of these folks? So uh, thanks for that tip. Let's talk about other things. Um, you are presiding over some really interesting programs at USC for entrepreneurship. Tell us more about this. Tell us what you're seeing out there um, or what you've seen over the course of the past couple of years. And let's also talk about this so-called exodus, right? Everybody, the media is talking about this exodus from Silicon Valley, the transformation of Silicon Valley. It's no longer physical. It's more virtual now. And folks are leaving to go to to Austin, they go to Miami, they go all over the place, and yet you are still there. You're, you're, you're a successful businessman, you're a successful entrepreneur. Why are you still in Santa Monica? Why are you not leaving Silicon Valley? Uh, well, for one thing, Silicon Valley 
is uh, is up in San Francisco. Silicon Beach is what they kind of call Santa Monica area. I understood. I understood. But you know what I'm saying, right? I do. Yeah. So why would you leave this? The, the, the temperature, average temperature is 70 degrees. There's no bugs. There's, uh, there's plenty, there's no humidity. And, uh, and I could walk to the beach in 15 minutes. Um, so, you know, why, why not move to another place? You know, I think every time I travel to some other place, I fall in love with it because, you know, the newness of it is always great. And I've been to Austin. It's a great city, but, um, I I uh, I love the fact that I can get from my house to skiing or to surfing in literally 30 minutes. And I could do that year round. And, and it's a fantastic lifestyle. But let's get more to your point that you started with, which is growing young people uh, in this world, especially through the, the university and entrepreneurship programs that are, might be around you. Uh, I think that the biggest source of interns that you can find are your local universities. And we at Nimble make uh, fantastic use of our connections at these universities, not just at USC, but also at UCLA, Loyola Marymount, and others by getting involved in their entrepreneurial programs, by teaching and helping them grow, and by hiring interns into Nimble to help them uh, grow in, the, in their cycle. But by doing that, we actually get young, bright minds who could do research for us, which we do projects on personas and uh, roles and use cases, as well as uh, research into uh, new market opportunities. And we do that through these intern programs. And the only way to identify really great interns is by getting into the pool with the students and getting to know them and identifying people, and especially if you get in and present to them, they get passionate about what you're doing and they reach out to you. And so all this is by giving, paying them forward, you get the opportunity to not only get people to contribute while they're students, but to hire them and recruit them for the ones that really shine, which is which are, which are exactly what we're doing. My head of uh, our Microsoft relationship, Yajis Chopra, uh, was an intern uh, before we hired him full-time. Great. Excellent. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about uh, another somewhat sensitive and edgy topic, and that's the topic of age. I always mm -hmm. ask, I always get asked, Alex, but, you know, when you um, talk about entrepreneurs, you're mostly talking about young scale-ups and startups, Right. And here you are, we, you know, we're, we're, we're talking to an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur who started yet another company recently, Nimble, at the um, age of 51, right? So what is your message to those who think that entrepreneurship is only for the youngsters or the millennials or Gen Zs? And, um, you know, every time our media portrays, for example, Silicon Valley, the TechCrunch conferences and, the, and, and so forth, and they always show this, you know, wonderful young entrepreneurs. What is your sort of message to that, to all of that? Well, I, I don't think that entrepreneurship has an age. Uh, I think that any any age can be an entrepreneur. And, and I think we all did that when we were kids with our lemonade stands and, and whatever else that you could do to, to get the things that you needed in life. You know, 
Alex, I grew up in a in a, uh, an affluent area, but we weren't as affluent as some of my peers. And I got a toy on my birthday and Christmas, and that was it. But I wanted other things. I wanted this GI Joe set, which was the astronaut set, and uh, and I bartered for it. I figured out what kids who had more than they needed wanted, and I got it for them, and I got what I wanted. And so I've been an entrepreneur ever since I was born, I think. And uh, by the way, it's my birthday today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> wonderful, you. wonderful. Uh, Excellent. And, and, and so, you know, I started my first company when I was uh, 28 and I started my second company when I was 51. And uh, in between that time, I took 10 years off to raise three babies. And I think that there is no age to limit yourself to starting uh, a business, whether you're young or whether you're older, you know, the thing is, is that my dad used to tell me this story about these, these two bulls on a hill and, and they're looking down and, and the young bull said, let's run down there and let's, let's get us some of them, uh, uh, lady bulls. And the old bull said, let's walk down and get them all. And, and that might be a little inappropriate in, in today's world, but it, it tells a story, right? That age and maturity has a lot of benefits. And, uh, and I think that anybody listening to this today uh, should not limit themselves on the, um, the, the, the ways that people define you. You need to define yourself. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I might sell Nimble one day in the next couple of years and take another 10 years off. And who knows? Maybe I'm going to start another one when I'm uh, 70. Excellent. Excellent. We also talked earlier about cultural differences and, and approach to selling, approach to mar marketing. Um, you know, you have a company that uh, has installations all over the world, hundreds of thousands of clients that are using the platform from every continent out there. What is your take on, how do you manage all of this? You know, how, if, you're, if you're using your platform or any other CRM platform or customer relationship platform, uh, and you're a manager of a global sales force or global marketing team yeah. that has different cultural you know, uh, approaches. How do you manage all of this? Well, there's some interesting statistics about CRM usage. There's 225 million global businesses. Less than 1% use any CRM. I think that's a testimony to the fact that CRM's biggest cause of failure is lack of use. The second is bad data. Lack of use because you have to force people to use it. That's why they call it Salesforce. You have to force salespeople to use it. Bad data is because even if you force them to do it, the moment you type data into a CRM, that data begins to decay and in some ways very rapidly. And so you're never going to be able to force your salespeople to use any tool, especially a CRM, which requires salespeople to type stuff in. No salesperson likes to type anything in. That's why they're in sales. They like to talk. Hopefully, they like to listen. And so um, then you have to contribute on top of that the difference in culture. They're, look, in Germany, they don't adopt social media in the same way that we do in the United States, let alone in the Netherlands or in, uh, in England. So you have to sort of understand the culture of the countries. Uh, of the people you're selling to and the people who are selling for you and to adapt the styles and the methods to the local businesses. All that being said, 
if you want to get somebody to use something, rather than telling them to do it because you want it, you should teach them how to do it because it's going to benefit them. People don't buy off on great products. They buy better versions themselves. And I believe that if the CRM actually helps that person achieve their goals in life, whether it's building their brand and their network or, or hitting their numbers, then they're probably going to use it. And so don't overburden them with too much. Give them enough where they could actually can to digest it and adapt and teach them how it's going to benefit them. And if you do that, they, uh, you'll get more adoption. Great, great tips and great uh, conversation about this. Um, what is your advice in general to an, to an entrepreneur who is waking up today and wondering how they're going to grow their business, how they're going to, what tools they're going to be using, how they're going to get new customers? Uh, you know, there's so many different platforms out there. You know, there's just a, a, another platform just uh, sprouted up called Clubhouse that's audio only. You probably heard of it. And, uh, you know, it's incredible. Everybody's is clinging onto it and everybody's just talking and talking and talking and listening and talking and talking and listening. And everybody's claiming, oh, I'm getting more customers. I'm, I'm doing this and so forth. You know, you wake up today and there's just so much around you. There's so many tools. There's so many different instruments. And the question then becomes, how do I begin? What do I begin with my ideas, with my product? How do I uh, reach those customers, especially in, you know during the pandemic. What is your advice? Well, I've I've grown two global companies without spending a dime on marketing, and I've done it by uh, mainly influencer marketing and guerrilla PR. And so it's more powerful when other people talk about you than when you talk about you. So the easiest way for you to grow your company is to build and uh, to identify the influencer of your prospect. And, and build a pay it forward relationship with them and turn them into your evangelists, into your apostles, into your army. And so I shared with you earlier how I did that with Goldmine was the Novell resellers and getting them to adopt it and use it. And then once that started to scale, where well, they sold to their basic customers and we want to generate net new leads, I then identified the business publications that my uh, prospects and customers uh, consume in order to be better, smarter, faster in and around the areas of promise my technology. So computer magazines, software magazines, et cetera. And I didn't go to them and say, you know, write about gold mine. I went to them and said, how can I help you write more stories? And they said, tell us stories about how people are using technology to grow. And I started telling those stories and that's how gold mine got more awards and more print than all the other products combined. Fast forward to nimble. When I started nimble, there were no, uh, resellers per se to go after because it was really cloud-based and people were self-adopting the fine try by ecosystem. So what I did is I identified the influencers in around the areas of promise of my product. So thought leaders in social sales and marketing. And as I shared before, I built identities and started to share that content. And then I would listen and engage with the people that adopted it, that bid on the content. And I started building relationships one conversation at a time. And you will not believe what can happen if you diligently share content on a daily basis, ideally hourly, 
and you're hashtagging and attributing the names of the people you're sharing it from, and then you listen and engage, and then you do these one-on-one conversations where you've prepared before the meeting, and you open up the meeting by asking an opening question, and you just listen for 30 minutes, and then you in that listening, you find ways to add value, and you add value. They can't help but basically say, John, tell me about you and what you're doing, how I can help, and that's exactly how we were able to build the, the nimble brand and to grow uh, and scale the business. And so when you start talking about how do you take an idea as a dream, as an entrepreneur and bring it to market, storytelling, storytelling. And the best story to tell is how other people can grow. And so if you can take whatever knowledge you have, give it away on a daily basis. And if you're not a good writer, find people that resonate with you and share their content and then simply listen, engage, start having these conversations. Not only will you get conversations with prospects and customers, but you'll build a sustainable garden around your business. Now, what do I mean by sustainable garden? My wife is a landscape designer and she brought me out in the yard the other day and showed me a a monarch butterfly caterpillar. And I said, what is this monarch butterfly caterpillar doing in her yard? She said, I plant milk thistle in order to attract the monarch butterfly caterpillar so it would eat the aphids. And this creates a self-sustaining garden. I said to myself, isn't this what I have to do to build nimble? And, And it's not just prospects and customers that I need to attract. For me, it's editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third party developers, investors, advisors, and their influencers as well. So how do I attract all these different people? You do it through content and conversation. You get out into the digital social river, in the middle of the river, you have these conversations, and I call that the five E's of social business. Educate, enchant, engage, embrace, and empower. And so if you just give away knowledge to educate people, that is enchanting and you engage them and embrace them with the intent to empower them, help them grow, you can't help but grow. But this is the problem you're gonna have. You're gonna create so many connections and conversations, you won't be able to manage them because there's a Dunbar limit. You can only manage 100 to 200 people in your head at one time and you'll need to get and be more nimble. (laughs) John, and with that, I want to thank you for this amazing conversation. A lot of great tips for our global entrepreneurs. A lot of great stories that, from your life, from your uh, career, your journey. I want to invite you to be uh, in our program again in the, in the near future. And thank you so much. Awesome, Alex. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.